Now, to, to lay the foundation for the year of the more, we've been talking about the critical foundation of factors. And in fact, there are three things that limit God in our lives. He doesn't want to be limited, but we limit Him oftentimes by our thoughts. Say our thoughts. Second of all, our words. Say our words. And third, say this, our actions. And so we're dealing right now, and we did last week, overcoming limiting actions, dealing with the Lordship factor, specifically learning to become willing and obedient. Why is that important? Because Isaiah 119 tells us that if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. We'll eat the fat of the land. In other words, you're going to see God's provision, His more in every area of your life, but you're going to have to learn how to function with a Lord over your life. Nowhere in Scripture does it indicate we're just supposed to have a Savior and then we call the shots after we get saved. Once you accept Him as Savior, you have accepted Him as Lord, and the key is to learn how to do that consistently throughout your life. He's the one that said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The essence of Lordship is He's the boss and you're not. He's the CEO and you're not. He's the manager of your life and you're not. And I'm telling you, in the Western church particularly, this is a problem. We get saved, and then we go right back to calling the shots, doing what we want to do, going where we want to go, live how we want to live, live where we want to live. And we have to understand, if we accepted Him as Savior, then He has to be Lord over our lives. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, would enter into the kingdom of heaven, but listen to this, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's not enough to pray a prayer of salvation. And you should. It's not enough just to simply say Jesus is Lord. What taps us into the things of God here on earth and in glory is having a Lord living as though we have a Lord in our life. That means you need to fire yourself. And I, there's a utilitarian basis for saying that as well as a scriptural basis. You and I, before we got saved, were terrible lords over our lives. What makes you any better now that you're saved? You're not. Amen. Matthew 6.10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Whose will? On earth as it is in heaven. Now, you can see this is two ways. You can see this is in your business. The pastor's gone to meddling in my life again. Well, first of all, it's not your life. Your life is gone. Amen. It's hidden in Christ. You're supposed to be dying daily. He's supposed to be increasing. You're supposed to be decreasing. And if you were decreasing, you'd be amen and the more this message goes on. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, we'll see. When we deal with limiting actions, we're talking about actions that violate the will of God, His express will for your life. Number two, violation of the Word of God, God's express will revealed in His Scripture. And third, you know, limiting God and limiting actions that are violation of the ways of God, like the love of God, the wisdom of God, the hope of God, the righteousness of God, how God does what He does, the faith of God. And so as a, as a brief, you know, reset, I want to move forward today to talk to you about the four levels of lordship, and then move you towards understanding how actually to cultivate that lordship in your life. Because the more that God has for you is in the context of His lordship. Let me say it another way. God has a path for every individual in this room. Yeah. 
And it's a good path. No one is excluded. Well, I'm the least of these among these brethren. God doesn't count. God has a plan and a path for everybody else. No, God has a path for every single person. And you and I have to navigate that path every single day. And I'll tell you why. Because all the good things, all the more he already has is already on that path. And if you'll just stay on the path God has for you, you'll run into those blessings. You don't have to come, you know, compromise or come off the path to somehow see God's best. Just stay on the path you're assigned to. That's not going to happen if you don't learn how to practically walk as if you had a Lord every single day. Can I have a big amen? amen. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land. Now, I've known some people who were willing, but they never got around to actually obeying God. And I met a lot of people who were obedient, but in their hearts, like the little boy that gets sent to his corner. Amen. And his nose is in the corner. He says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the corner on, on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not. Say <laughs> so it's willing and obedient. That first level of lordship is what I just call ignorance. You don't know God's will, and you don't do it, obviously. Hosea 4, 6, though, says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. As a child of God, ignorance is no excuse. So some folks live ignorantly in terms of the concept of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They got saved. Maybe if you're a certain uh, denominational background, you got saved every single week because you never understood who you are in Christ, that you are the righteousness of Christ in Jesus. And so you went through this motion all the time, but you never learned the rest of the story, how to live day by day as if you had a Lord. That's a spiritual formation issue. That is a teaching and a preaching issue, and you can't here get saved every week and ever cultivate lordship in your life. The first thing we need to know about lordship is that you have one. It's Jesus what? Is Lord. And if we, if we just say that, we gave him a title. What we want to do today is promote him to ruler over our life. Come on, say, Jesus is Lord, is not a title. It is an eternal position. So, some folks operate in the I don't know category. They don't know, and they don't know how to operate in terms of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The second group I call rebellion. They know very clearly His ways and His will and His directives. They just choose not to do it. And maybe you've been there before, you know, but you refuse to do the plain teachings of Scripture, the plain unctions of His, of His will, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You don't do those, and you know for sure it's clear what you're supposed to do. You just don't. Now, how do you understand that Jonah was not mix, mi missing a signal here? He knew he was supposed to go where? To Nineveh. And what did he do? He went the other way. He clearly knew the Word of God. Now, the problem with rebellion is the Bible in the Old Testament equates rebellion with the sin of witchcraft. Now, we'll talk about Wiccan. We'll talk about, you know, witchcraft in general. We'll talk about warlocks. We'll talk about spiritism and, and all the dark arts, the New Age movement. But the biggest practitioner of witchcraft in America is the Christian who doesn't do God's will. 
Now, I don't know about you. I don't need some witchy poo invading my life. But when you are in rebellion, you are in witchcraft. It can be as simple as a simple teaching you refuse to do. You know, the Lord says, go to church. I don't have to go to church. Guess what? You're not just in rebellion. You're now operating in witchcraft. And God is able to do great things in your life still if you repent. But you've opened up doors you don't want open. There are a lot of ways to get into witchcraft, drug use, substance abuse, all kinds of things. But the easiest way to get into witchcraft as a child of God is to refuse to do what he's told you to do. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It involves divination. Now, how many of you agree with me today that Christians don't need to be involved in witchcraft, divination, spiritism, tarot cards, astrology, Ouija boards? Story came out just the other day in a foreign nation, 11 girls playing with a Ouija board, all of them passed out simultaneously. I do not want to be their parents in the coming days and weeks and months to see what manifests. All I'm saying is the Christian that would not touch a Ouija board, would not go to a palm reader, would not mess with tarot cards, wants nothing to do with the occult, has no problem telling God no. And at that moment, you just became a practitioner of everything you stand against. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Don't forget about the ambulance. Turn to somebody and tell them, remember the ambulance. Some people are at the ignorance level. They don't know and don't do. Some folks are at the rebellion level. They know but they don't do. Number three, some folks are at the compromise level. They know and they selectively do. Prophet tells King Saul, wipe out the Amalekites, wipe out their animals, sacrifice them all, and do not keep anyone alive, including their leadership. And what does he do? He holds on to the king so he can look and say, look what I have done. And in the history of kings, I can parade this amount. Like I can say, look what we have done. Aren't we great? And he said he kept back the best animals. They meant to sacrifice unto the Lord. He didn't do, and he refused to even accept that he was being rebuked and repent until the end. And what did the prophet say? To obey is better then sacrifice. Let me help you out here. Selective obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. He didn't obey the Lord. He didn't do what he was told, and he lost everything as a consequence of that. Shout that out. To obey is better than sacrifice. Here's the point. To do what God told you to do is better than having to repent for not doing it. I'm going to try that one more time so the rest of the group over here gets it. Amen. To, to do what the Lord tells you to do in the first place is better than to disobey and need to repent. Now, aren't you glad we have an advocate? Aren't you glad he's gracious? He's, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Amen. But don't make, you know, don't take advantage of that and understand that you and I are in a position now where we have the spiritual strength and ability and giftings to walk in the will of God. Amen. See, the funny thing is people say, well, you know, I'm not into all that legalism and bondage. All those Old Testament laws don't apply to me. The principles do apply to you, but one principle applies to you more than all of them. You still have a God and a Lord over your life. Amen. Yes. Amen. My Old Testament instructor, Raymond K. Levang, he's with Jesus now. 
And uh, he had a little bit of a tremor, a little bit of Parkinson's disease, and he would say things like this, I'll guarantee you one thing, you sin, you pay. <laughs> I'm glad Jesus paid. That was his introduction into the grace of God, amen? <laughs> aren't you glad for Jesus? I said, aren't you glad for Jesus? I sure am. We have the mercy of God available to you and to me. Praise God. But partial obedience is the same thing as what? As disobedience. Which means I can't say I'm ignorant. I can't say I don't know. I know forgiveness is not an option. It's a command from the Lord. And to refuse to do it is rebellion, or at very least partial, amen, disobedience, which is the same thing. Say it one more time. To obey, to obey is better than sacrifice. See, the principles of the Old Testament, the, the overarching principle of we still have a Lord calling the shots, and that is all the way through Scripture, um, it's, it's really reduced to, to this principle that, that you and I every single day have a choice to do what? To do it God's way or do it what? Do it our way. Smile at somebody and say, I'm going to do it God's way every single time. Now, Dr. Levang also said this, you know, Jesus did not loosen up the standard. He tightened the screws. A lot of New Testament believers need to hear that because I can just live however I want to. Do whatever I want to. I have liberty. You have liberty under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he's given you the power to do this. Hallelujah. The first group is ignorance. They don't know and they don't do. The second group is rebellion. They know but they refuse to do. The third group is compromise. They know, but they selectively do. And the fourth group is obedience. They know and they do. And because they know and they do. Come on, say it. I know and I do. Here's a brand new theme for your life today. Amen. Say it. I know and I do. They can claim scriptures like Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, and all these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. And then it lists them. But only those that hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God can claim the more in 2024. You are not going to go around doing your will and expect to have God's results. Raise your hand if you want to see the more in 2024. Then you have to hearken diligently. The time of ignorance is over. Can I have it? Amen. amen. The time of rebellion is over. Can I have it? Amen. amen. The time for partial obedience is over. Can I have it? Amen. amen. The time for obedience is here. Amen. Say it. I know, I know. and I do. Amen. Say it again. I know. I know. And I do. You will find from cover to cover, whenever someone did what God told them to do, there was a breakthrough, there was more, there was impact, there was victory. 
And when people find themselves either in ignorance, rebellion, or compromise, they find themselves in defeat and in struggling. This one adjustment in your life today can change everything. That was my version of a mic drop, whatever that was. (laughs) (laughs) Sermon over. (laughs) Go on, say it. I hear and I do. And the hearken word in the King James is actually a wonderful word that when translated properly actually means hear with an attitude, an absolute commitment to obey. How many times do we hear and it's optional to us? Hearken diligently means to hear with an attitude to obey and do that diligently, consistently in your life. That's what sets you up for the more. That's why I can't go into the individual dimensions of the more until we have your words and your thoughts and your actions down consistent. Amen. Because you can't go around calling the shots and letting other things be your Lord and expect the more. This is a function and a direct result of a healthy relationship with God that is not just Savior, but it's also Lord and King in your life. Amen. Glory to God. Say it, I hearken. Big smile on your face. I hear with an attitude to do. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. But having understood that, you can now make a quality decision to live that way. It's really not that complicated, and it's very, very old in terms of its principle. Even at the early stages of the New Testament era, the story, when Mary was approached, of course, supernaturally and given a message, she was told what was going to happen to her. What did she say? When donkeys fly. No, be it unto me as you have said. And the girls seem to have it down because at Cana at the wedding, she's prompting Jesus to do a miracle because they have no more wine. What does she say? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Mary gives you the secret of the more in 2024. Be it unto me, as you have said, and whatever, shout it out, whatever he tells you to do, ignore him. Have you ever thought about this way? God has a reason for telling you to do or not do something. Amen. So then, Pastor, how do I cultivate the Lordship? Glad you asked. In this scripture, and it really sums it up in Luke 6, 46 through 49, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. How is it well built? By a hearer and a doer. This guy is a person who hearkens. They hear with an attitude to do. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. Both of these individuals heard the word. 
They heard the solution. They heard the will of God. Both of them went through some tough times. One was victorious through those times, and the other one was not. And the only difference is one heard and did, and the other one heard and never got around to doing. Now, can I tell you what time it is? On the cosmic clock of God, it's time to what? Hear and do. It's time to get around to doing the things he's told you to do. So here's the principles for you today. I want you to write these down. But first of all, understand what we mean by Lord. Very simply put, Lord is the who or the what you obey. That's the Lord of your life. Say that with me. The Lord of my life is the who or the what that I obey. You can call Jesus Lord all day long, but it's the who or the what that you obey. And this first principle is very simple. Realize that Jesus is not your Savior unless he's also your Lord. Bottom line. How I many know that'll get you motivated? Save from what? Save from death, hell, and the grave. Save from hell. You want to have a Savior. But he doesn't come in pieces to you. He came as Savior, but he is also Lord over your life by choice. Shout that out. If he's not my Savior, he's not my Lord. He's not my Lord. He's not my Savior. They aren't separate. The Western culture has a lot of people Savior-minded, but not as many Lordship-minded. Number two, take an honest inventory of your level of obedience and just be honest about it. If you're at the ignorance level, you don't have to stay there. If you're at the rebellion level, you don't have to stay there. If you've gotten into a habit of compromise, hearing, and partially obeying, you can, not, you can repent of that and move on. Or if you're today, you're in a situation where to the best of your ability, as far as God's ways and His will and His word are concerned, you're highly motivated, you're not perfect, but you're on the right path of walking in obedience, you are setting yourself up for the more in 2024. I am telling you, God has some amazing promises for His people this year. Don't be listening to what the world says. God has a different track. He's on a different frequency altogether. God does not watch CNN. Amen. Number three, ask yourself why you do the things you do. In other words, who is really or what is really my Lord? What's really driving the boat? What's really motivating me? Jordan Peterson said it very well. He said of the commandment, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He said that means do not claim divine motivation for self-serving behavior. God is this. God is that. Don't claim divine motivation or instruction for self-serving behavior. I've taught on false lords before, but I wanted to give you a handle today by giving you just a few categories of these. And if these things, you know, you know, in your own life, being honest, say, I'm an honest Christian. I'm an honest Christian. 
Say it with me, I want to hear. Look at somebody and say, I want some more, I want some more, I want some more. Look at somebody and say, I hope he preaches on, I hope he preaches on. Don't leave us hanging, don't leave us hanging. <laughs> but these, I believe, really represent the, the broad spectrum of the who or the what you might be listening to instead of the Lord. Okay? And the first one I want to throw out there is just the concept of temptation. Is temptation really your Lord? Whatever you are tempted to do, you do. I want you to see today temptation through the lens of lordship. If you're tempted to do something or say something that's out of bounds, at that moment you switch lords. The will, the word, the ways of God said do this, and that temptation said do this. Every time you yield to temptation, you trample the lordship of Jesus Christ. You cannot say at that moment, he is my functional Lord, when you choose to do what temptation is telling you to do. And Jesus understood that and went through that. He was tempted at all points just like we are, yet what? Yet without turning his father away as Lord over his life. Or you hear what I'm saying to you today. He only did what the father, he saw the father do. He only said what the father actually said. Does that make sense? So you're, you're tempted to talk out of turn. If you yield to that, it's not the Lord prompting that communication. It's another false Lord that's doing it. When you yield to lust, you're not listening to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're obeying, for example, Lord lust. The silence in this room would indicate that I'm talking to a room full of fornicators, and I really don't believe that. <laughs> I just don't. So what I'm, what I'm thinking is you're processing. Yes. Personalizing. Applying it to yourself. That's my position. I'm sticking to it. Everybody say temptation. These are broad, okay? Let the Lord talk to you. The Holy Spirit, amen, will talk to you about what kind of thing may be pushing Jesus off the throne in your life. We all have them. But how do you defeat them? You pull the sword of the Spirit out and you say, devil, I'm not going to yield to you. You're not my Lord, devil. I'm not here to do your will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. Are you here today? Another broad category is what I'll just simply call associations. These are people in your life that seem to have a better idea constantly for you. And sometimes it can run counter to the word of God. And you'll say things like, well, you know, blood is thicker than water. Yeah, and the blood of Jesus is the thickest of all. Amen. Your relative, your friend, your co-worker trying to go you, get you down a wrong path or even husband or wife that refuses to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Those associations are responsible for a lot of people walking out of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You need to help each other stay on the path God has assigned you to. Get on the same page about what he has said to do. I've seen many folks, and listen, as a, as a child of God, amen, you should be honoring mother and father, amen, all the days of your life. There are a lot of ways to do that. 
But that does not mean they become Lord over your life. When I was called into the ministry, I was headed towards medical school, and I told my mom, sitting at a Shoney's restaurant in Marin, Illinois, remember it like it was yesterday, she said, I'm not going there, I'm going to seminary, I'm going to be in the ministry. She started laughing at me. <laughs> laughing. To me, it's a pretty serious moment. I want to rise up and say, thou shalt not laugh. <laughs> but then she stopped laughing. I go, here it comes. I told your father that three years ago. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Uh, now, my, my grandmother, Anna, you remember Anna? I'm going to die, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> she found out and she goes, be a doctor, be a dentist, make some money. Her people were Slovakian until the day she died. She never, ever lost that, you know, way of speaking. Amen. <laughs> you have friends, you have family, and they consistently pull you out of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's time to say respectfully, I love you, but there's one Lord. You want to pull me off the ways of God, off the will of God, out of the word of God? I can't go with you, but I love you, but I can't allow you to pull me out of the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's got too many good things on the path he has for me, for me to adopt the path that you have for me. Can I have a better amen today? Amen. Along with associations or ambitions. Ambition is another category of Lord that tries to take you and you usurp your, your clear understanding about who Lord is in your life. It's great to have ambitions. It's great to have aspirations. But they need to be grounded in what does God want. It's no longer what? We that live, but Christ that lives in us. And it's not just Jesus who's here to do the Father's will, so are you. You've got to find out if your ambitions line up with the word of God. And if not, tell God, ask God to give you ambitions that do line up with his word. I have them and you have them. At the end of the day, life is short on this planet. We ought to be about our father's business, not our own. And there are a lot of people, I think, down through history who God had appointed and anointed for various things and they never got around to doing the Father's will because their ambitions kept them out of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you this, when God gives you an, a vision and ambition and you make him Lord, that's a powerful combination. You're going to see great things happen in your life. Say it with me. Ambition. ambition. Association. Association. Temptation. Well, let me tell you what the biggest Lord is for every person in this room. It's not Jesus. It's a thing called emotion. There are more people in the body of Christ that serve emotion than any other Lord, in my estimation, after doing this, you know, for several decades now. I have seen how emotion will take somebody off the path of God and out of the wills and the way and the word of God so fast it beats everything else under the sun. Are you here today? Things like Lord Pride. 
We're going to do it our way. We got a better way. We think we got a better way. We can't humble ourselves because we're in control of what pride's telling us to do. Or, Lord, envy or jealousy. We're not making decisions based on God's will. We're envious or jealous of somebody or we're trying to compete with somebody. And that's what's driving the boat. You know what? You don't have to worry about what somebody else says. If you'll stay on the path, God will take care of you just fine. I'll take a better amen than that. But people will up in their entire lives pursuing something because they want to keep up with somebody else. Lord sorrow. I haven't seen a few, but many who in their sorrow traded Jesus as Lord for their feelings of sorrow, and that ran the rest of their lives after the loss and not Jesus. It's not Jesus is Lord until you suffer a loss. It's Jesus is Lord before the loss, during the loss, after the loss, whatever happens, he is still Lord over your life. And I'll tell you this, your purpose didn't die when you put that person in the ground. God singularly loves you and has a purpose for you. Aren't you glad for that? Think about Lord loneliness. How many people have trampled over the Lordship of Jesus Christ and yielded to various lusts and got involved with people because they were lonely? Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. (laughs) Then you got more than just a companion. You got hell on earth. And then you go, I don't know why the Lord did this. Why the Lord do this? Why? I don't understand, Lord. And he's like, you know what? It wasn't Lord Jesus that led you down that path. Lord addiction takes over a lot of people. Be Jesus, or you can serve that addiction, but you can't serve both. How many times I've watched people in frustration make wrong turns. I'm so frustrated about this situation. I just want to get the frustration and the pressure off my life. And that became their Lord at that moment. And for a moment, maybe they did get rid of the frustration. But guess what? It came back with a vengeance. You want to know the most frustrating path to walk is the one God didn't sign you to. Amen. Lord, happiness is a big one in the modern church. God just wants me to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. High happiness is God's supreme goal. No. Your obedience is his supreme goal. Happiness is an emotion and a choice. I don't see the three Hebrew fellows in the fiery furnace moaning and groaning. And I sure don't see, you know what, will make us really happy, O king, O king, O king, O king. It'd make us really happy if you throw us into the furnace and fire it up really hot. Or how about Daniel? O king, I know the lions are hungry. Feed me to them. I'm so happy. And it's, it's plugged into our culture. You're almost born with it. Don't worry. Be happy. 
And what's the song by Pharaoh? Because I'm happy, happy, happy. Who cares? <laughs> How come somebody didn't write a song? I'm obedient, obedient, obedient. You never hear that song. And it's bad enough the world functions that way, but when the people of God function that way, we have a problem. Turn to somebody and smile. Houston, we've got a problem. Lord, happiness. Things like Lord power, Lord insecurity. I've often will tell people this. When you can't understand somebody's behavior, and it makes no sense, even goes contrary to their character, they're operating in insecurity. How many people through the years have I seen taken out by things like Lord Anger? Get so mad and upset, they end up on an entirely, an entirely different path that's not God's word and justify it. And child of God, don't ever say amen when somebody walks off the path of their Lord because of an emotion. Do not encourage them. Well, I understand exactly how you feel. That's what you should do. You know what you should do? You should throw down God's best for your life in the morning 2024. I think you should yield to that emotion. I think you should. I totally understand. You know what? I had the same experience before. I went through the same thing you did, and here's what I did. Listen, don't do what they did. Do what God tells you to do. You are able to feel something very deeply and then get up, brush yourself off and say, but Jesus is Lord of my life, not anger. You say, do most people function that way? It's a, it's a learn. It's, it is a process. But I can tell you, one moment of anger like King Uzziah can destroy God's plan for your life. An emotion. Let's all say it together as if you'd never heard it before. God gave me my emotions to experience life, not run my life. I can get up in the morning and experience every emotion under the sun, but I can choose to let Jesus be Lord. That. Pastor, what's that called? It's called, in my opinion, the prime mark of maturity of a Christian. To feel deeply and still do what God said. It's a process. It's developed. It's learned. And it's within the grasp of every people here to have a Lord consistently in their life. It is not a one-time decision when you got saved. It is hour by hour, and it's moment by moment. The temptation a couple of you have to throw something at me right now. You can take a dominion over that in Jesus' name and let Jesus be Lord. <laughs> Are you here today? Say it, moment by moment. God has made for your spirit being to be in control of things under his lordship, not your emotions, not your lust, not the temptations, not your associations, not your ambitions, but what he has told you to do. You and I can go through some things. 
And if somebody told you if you're a faith person, you'll never go through anything, you'll never have any setbacks, you'll never have any challenges, they weren't talking about the real biblical faith because real biblical faith is actually a target on your back. What it does is it causes you to overcome everything this world might throw at you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in what? In the world. Do you believe that today? Say, so greater is he. Is he. So if you honestly let the Lord search your heart about any of these false lords, there's only one thing to do if they're there, and that's repent. And make your mind up from now on. Amen. Jesus is Lord is not a title of my life. Amen. I'm making him ruler over my life. Amen. Glory to God. I would say that some of the worst and darkest times we go through as Christians is because not because of the will of God. We will be persecuted for righteousness sake. It's because some false Lord came in and usurped the Lord in our life. It's a big time decision. It's a big time issue. You know, back in, um, you know, 1989 or so, 1990, Kelly and I were in Savannah, Georgia, serving as associate pastors. And we were going to be interviewed for this ministry long, long time ago. And so uh, the folks that uh, ran the process interviewed us over the phone. And they had been through a rough patch, a rough season. How I many people go through rough patches and people go through rough seasons and people do and people of God aren't uh, exempt to that, really. But everything they asked, it was like, well, this guy did this. What would you do? Really wasn't interested in vision, wasn't interested in souls or really even my prayer life. It was like, what, did, what would you do? And I thought this was kind of odd. And so what they decided to do is they decided to reach out to some other candidates and have them come and preach. And here's how this went. The man they chose to come said, I can't come. One of the other two gentlemen is your pastor. <laughs> and so now they've got two people, two candidates. How would they possibly decide who should come to preach and possibly candidate be that, be that pastor for that church? So what they did is they drew my name out of a hat. A New Testament church, a spirit-filled church, put the names in a hat and pulled my name out of a hat and then put my name back in the hat. And I'm sorry, I repent in advance. These are some stupid people. I'm sorry. <laughs> in any generation. <laughs> and don't be looking around because they're not here. Okay, just. <laughs> but guess what? I am. <laughs> the guy they put his name back in the hat is still here. Huh. So they called the guy up. He was a friend of mine. His name was John Chamis. He was uh, in the district a long time. And I saw him, he was in Ohio. And he said, uh, Brother John, we would love for you to come. Uh, he was the they didn't tell him, hey, we put the other guy's name back in the hat and then pulled yours out. But they called him up and said, you need to come. Would you come preach for us? We're interested in you becoming the pastor. And he said, uh, I can't. He goes, that other fellow's supposed to be your pastor. 
You ever heard about a story about the handwriting on the wall? I mean, there is slow, and then there is terminally slow. So they call me up. They didn't mention they pulled my name out of a hat and stuck it back in there. So I we come. And Sunday morning, God moves powerfully. Sunday night, God moves powerfully. There's some great things, and there's supposed to be you know, traditional vote in, a, in church. Uh, every church has a, has a polity, how, the, how things are done, and most of you raised in a denominational setting, you know what I'm talking about. And that required a two-thirds vote. And so um, what I didn't know is someone who was not thrilled about me coming had been inviting other people from his family and friend circle who hadn't been to that church in five, seven, eight, ten years to participate and so when the vote came down, it was one vote short of an election. The district official in charge of the vote thought, something's really fishy about this. So he did what nobody should have done. He had a second vote. The thing of it is, about a dozen of those people left between votes. <laughs> and guess what the vote was? Exactly the same. Somebody really did want Pastor Art to be there at that time. And I say that not to incriminate them. I, you and I have done just as dumb things as they have. Look at somebody say, get that smirk off your face. You know what's true. You've done some dumb things in your life since you've been a Christian. Now, you're probably wondering what emotion I had at that moment. And I want you to understand this, that uh, I was 90, so I'm 26. And Kelly's a little younger than me. <laughs> I'd say 26. And we're going from where our daycare dome is, through the corridor where the restrooms are, back into the main auditorium, which is where the church was. <laughs> Some of y'all are still stuck out, they pulled your name out of our hat. What, are you some kind of a raffle pastor? <laughs> and I got uh, a couple board members in front of me, and then Kelly right behind me, and a couple behind her, and we're walking out like little ducks. And so there was a huge amount of emotion involved in this thing. And some of the people that were really knew, believed we were supposed to be there, felt the same way. You understand? They're dealing with things too. But as we were walking through, I heard so clearly and crisply the Holy Spirit say, and I just stopped like this when I heard his voice. And I stopped so abruptly that Kelly, Kelly just ran into my back. And I knew that it was the Spirit of God. And he said, be very careful what you say. He said, the next words out of your mouth will affect their, their destiny and future and yours. So all I can tell you is what I plan to say <laughs> has been forever unsaid. What I'm telling you is there are three or four or five emotions I could have pointed to. Yeah. Anger, frustration, murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's an action, hallelujah. Not really, it's actually the emotion according to Jesus. People with murder because of hatred. anger and hatred, yes. So when I did go in there and took the microphone, um, I said, <laughs> I was like Captain Obvious. It's apparent that you are not united on my candidacy. Kelly and I will pray that God will send you leadership that can 
unites you and bring healing to you. That's it. Now, all I'm going to tell you is that would not have been my 26-year-old self in the natural. I am telling you that when you make up your mind, Jesus is Lord, he will give you the what to say and how to say it in the worst of circumstances. Sister Reed and Brother Jerry come in for five years. At that time, we're over in Hopkinsville pastoring. Uh, God calls Jerry Reed back out on the field of evangelism. Jerry says, I believe that you're supposed to come over here and pastor. I'm like, when donkeys fly. I'm not going back to those hat check people, bless God. <laughs> and the bottom line is, we did, amen. It was initially a 100% vote at that point in time. And I wasn't even over here physically when they took that vote. But we struggled with this thing. Five years later, struggling with this thing. Amen. Perceiving, you know, what we might have to, to deal with. At one point, one of the leaders looked at me and goes, well, you know, brother, so-and-so will come over here for $25,000. You can see some of the stupid still hadn't left yet. And here's what I said. I know brother so-and-so. He's a friend of mine. He's a great man. He's a tremendous pastor. I think you should get sit, you know, brother so-and-so. And I walked up and began to walk out. Another board member said, that's not God. That doesn't represent how we feel. That's just so-and-so's opinion on things. And so guess what? We came back to Murray. One of these days, I'm going to write this in a book. And I ain't changing the names to protect the innocent. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is the teachable moment for you that you can feel ridiculously hurt, offended, amen, upset, mad, angry, and still Jesus is my Lord. So we made that decision. To kind of wrap this up for you. My friends over at Hopkinsville at Westview Assembly of God, they were very kind and gracious and supportive and loving. Wonderful people of God, just like in Savannah. But they assumed that I was coming here because the church was bigger. The church was half the size of Westview. I was coming over here because the church was somehow going to pay me more. No, it was a cut in pay. Well, you're going to a bigger town. No, Hopkinsville has always been and is way bigger now than what Murray is. There's only one reason. What reason? God. You have to separate God and everybody else's opinion, including yours. To do what he told you to do. There's the point. It was a good decision for us to come here and pastor. It's a good decision for you to be a part of what God is doing. Now watch this. But what God is saying is all of you hungry bunch, you're the hungriest bunch I've ever had, hands down. You're about to tap into things that he has planned for this church from its foundation and its recovery. The people seen in the Spirit. To say they'll be hanging off the rafters is not an overstatement. And your call for that season. God is announcing today. The God of the morning, 2024, is announcing today the reward for your pastors and for this church for staying the course and doing what God has assigned you to do. 
eye has not seen, ear has not heard. What, what? God has prepared for those that what? Love him, but we know he's revealing it to us by his spirit. In the year of 2024, you're about to see the reward of God come on your life for not just saying Jesus is Lord, but making him Lord. Can you do that, church? Can you receive it? Lift a hand and say it. Jesus is Lord. I don't know what false Lord you need to fire today, but I'm going to tell you it is worth it. It is worth it to get them out. Permanently get them out. And say, you're not going to run my life anymore. Well, pastor, I wouldn't be so emotive, you know, if people weren't stupid. Can I help you out here? We're all going to be dumb from time to time. We're all going to blow it from time to time. People are doing the best they can with what they've got, and sometimes they don't do very well. You can't base whether Jesus is Lord over your life based on what other people say or do. He died for you. You could sit here and use people as excuses all the days of your life, what you went through, and it's true. Many people I went to seminary with, many people Kelly went to Bible college, had a horrible first experience and never did pursue ministry because of people. The problem is people didn't call them. Jesus called them. And he's called you too. And your call is just as important as mine. It's Kelly, is there anybody else's? You have to see that in these end times, to be where you're told to be, to do what you're told to do, to bloom where you are planted in these last days. Yes. So critical. Yes. Jesus as Lord just can't be a phrase. Day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, He is Lord. And as you accept the challenge, you're going to see the devil's not going to sit back and say, you're right, you're going to make him Lord. I have no business involving myself in this. He'll give you every opportunity to challenge that commitment. That's why you can't have at one time an old-fashioned altar get saved and say, Jesus is Lord and it's fixed. You set your course. Now you have to make him Lord consistently. Amen. Thinking about a title for my book. They pulled my name out of a hat. <laughs> hat trick. Hat trick. Anybody else want to help me out here? We're brainstorming. We're brainstorming today. Praise the Lord. Yes, we are. <laughs> the point is, I, over many years of ministry, know what it is to experience emotions. But the commitment has to be you're going to do what God told you to do. Amen. That's the key. And that's what he meant by, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. Can you give him a hand clap today and thank him for it? <laughs>